Today I wake up to start my day, to greet my morning with openness and intelligence and gratitude and appreciation and self-love and new ideas and creativity and happiness and joyfulness and sweetness and compassion and kindness and humor. Today I dismantle Good morning. You are listening to the XX Files on CKUT 90.3 FM. I am your host, IRL Human. And today I'm introducing a new segment Emotional Labors. IRL Advice with IRL Human. With the arrival of December, we're in for the long haul, these draining months of winter ahead. Are you looking for a way to be a better community member, a better intersectional feminist? Or maybe you buy into that cuffing season concept and want a way to approach your crush in a respectful and thoughtful manner. Maybe you're curious about alternative approaches to sex sexuality, and love. Polyamory? Yes, the modern feminist faces many issues moving through this patriarchal, capitalist, dominant society. So, if you're looking for a way to engage and conquer, why not ask IRL Human for some IRL advice on a subject? Women are traditionally the emotional laborers of society, so I'm here to listen to your wants, needs, and desires respectfully. For the first episode of Emotional Labors, I'm going to discuss a brief history of the modern advice column 
and the effects that it has had crafting the modern female identifying person. Write to you, I no longer want to give in to the digital distractions of our fast in their neighborhood society. or talk to their parents? Because most of them who write to you are rather young, are they not? No, that's incorrect. Uh, I would say about 25% of my mail comes from teenagers, but the bulk of my mail comes from adults. Now back to your question, why do they write to me? Well, um, I think a great many people are too ashamed to go to anyone they know. They feel that and, and uh, unjustly so, I'm sure, they feel that problems are a sign of weakness. Most people are ashamed of a problem. Um, they're ashamed of their inability to handle it. So they go to an unseen face, uh, someone who doesn't know them. Uh, I'm a shoulder to cry on. It's someone that uh, they feel may understand. Will there be any letter among the thousands, multiplied thousands you've received that would stand out in your memory as the most memorable? Most humorous, perhaps. Most unusual. Well, interesting. I receive thousands of letters every month, and no two letters are alike. Uh, some of them are screamingly funny, and others break your heart. Now, one of the letters that I'm thinking of at this moment, you asked me... The origins of confessionals is wide-ranging, moving from the church all the way to modern mobile apps like Whisper and Twitter. It has inspired an entire literary trend. And obviously, there is something fascinating about knowing the inner workings of the questions hanging in the minds of others. Contemporarily, one of the most popular and wide-loved formats is the printed modern advice column. Traditionally, the subject matter has plagued advice that has plagued advice columns has been narrow, self-aggrandizing, and self-concerned, looking at specific personal problems that are meant to stand in for the feelings of the status quo. The British periodical The Athenian Mercury, published in the 1690s, is widely credited as inventing the modern advice column. Although it was published at the turn of the Enlightenment and featured a variety of contemplative queries, it too dealt with many issues that we are still curious about today. Love affairs, petty human relationship problems, how to correctly communicate one's feelings, and so on. The advice column format has been popular a popular cultural staple for over 300 years. Generally, listeners and readers alike send in questions and columnists respond either with a direct set of instructions with straightforward answers to these questions or by using the questions as a launch point for philosophical treatise. After the 1900s, there is a significant rise in the amount of documented advice columns, particularly in the United States. The early 20th century had a seri serious spike in literacy and the growing middle class, 
creating opportunity for a much wider print audience. One particularly interesting point is that the notion for upward mobility became a driving force. Magazines and newspapers often gave readers recommendations or tips for choosing the best books, best household products, best technologies, and so on. In tandem, academic fields such as psychology and sociology began to bleed into popular culture as people began to grow interested in the cultures of interpersonal relationships. Essentially, newspapers and magazines began to provide an expertise that could be directly applied to people's daily lives. Since what counts as common sense varies from age to age and from place to place, the history of advice columns reveals a lot about social change. By the 1920s, columnists cultivated relationships with readers through weekly, monthly, or bi-monthly columns that were meant to provide direction and expertise. Traditionally, columnists have followed a typical formula by discussing key issues that relate back to fashion, beauty, diet, responding to individual letters and queries, both directly and indirectly. These columns encourage the production of the modern female body in relation to patriarchal capitalist society. As directed by the pages of magazines, women's bodies were embroidered with consumer magic that shored up the idea that makeup, skincare, specific clothing, and homeware were completely necessary investments. certainly not be slaves to fashion that doesn't become us or that is dictated uh, that there is that's dictated uh, by say men even men that might hate women for their own reasons or that want to denigrate women or destroy their dignity or their pride or uh, make them all feel horrible if they look more than 13 years old or something like that. I mean that's one thing but this is neither a bedroom war nor a fashion war this is this is and I don't even believe this is not bedroom politics, and I'm not interested in the politics of orgasm. You know, this is, in the biggest sense, real politics, human politics, American politics, uh, a new kind of politics. It will, what happens in the bedroom will be affected by it. The kind of orgasms women are able, and men too, to have will be affected by it. But that's not where the action is, you see. And uh, the action is to change society, to restructure society, that I am free wear a bra, not to wear a bra, is my business and yours, you know. But it's the media that want to dismiss this as a joke. It's the men in the media and even a few women in the media, perhaps, who are threatened by the movement, threatened by it because it comes very close to home to where we all live. Because there isn't a woman, and nor a man nor a child, who's grown up in Canada or in the U.S., uh, who hasn't really been terribly hurt by the feminine mystique, the masculine mystique, by the war between the sexes, that these two obsolete images, th these masks that we are both forced to wear, um, that, that this, you know, does to us, and then this 
impotent rage that women feel and then they have to take out inadvertently on their husbands and their children if they are not allowed to use their real energies and abilities in society. And the impotent rage that any human being would have a right to feel if they would have to suffer the continual implicit, if not explicit, put downs and sneers that a woman suffers every day of her life, whether she is a uh, housewife or whether she is a housewife in the office, you know, in the secretary, or if she's an exceptional woman like you who, all right, you're here in this studio, but you know what I mean. You know what you've, you've had to take. And if you are also married and have children, you know all the, the continual tightrope that you have to, well, you've suffered from it and men have suffered from it and children have suffered from it. So there's a lot of pain there and there's a lot of buried rage and it's very, makes us uncomfortable to face it. And so better to dismiss it as a joke, better dismiss it. You know, you haven't had to use mace or tear gas to keep women down here. Advice columns provided critical types of information on how to negotiate a complicated consumer scene, which focused on modernity and beauty. Further, the modern advice column created problematic ideas of pleasure, making the production of modern beauty appealing and commodifiable. The limited scope of advice offered in these columns showed a similarity of the disjuncture of discourses of modern beauty that dominated the North American historiography, that of predominantly light-skinned, thin, well-endowed, well-put-together, beautiful women. who are the real authorities, and I've been very fortunate in that I've been uh, able to call on the top people in this country. And over, the year, that's, over the years, as you've become better and better known and called upon people, I suppose, in higher and higher authority, haven't you? Well, I've been lucky. My friends are marvelous. I mean, there are people like, like Ted Hesper, the president of Notre Dame, or Roy Menninger from the Menninger Foundation, or Bob Kurland, head of the Dermatology Foundation at uh, Mayo's, uh, uh, Michael DeBakey, uh, Howard Ross. What's what's the 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 uh, factor of dermatology? I know that you are oh, very much oh, into dermatology. I'm, I'm glad you asked okay. because a great many people who have emotional problems have dermatological problems. You know, they're itching. Skin. Hmm? Their skin. You know, you know the expression. You it's getting under my skin. Yes. It's well, literal then. Of course, what gets under the skin often appears on the skin. Mm -hmm. And just this morning, I made a phone call to a dermatologist, Dr. Stoller in Washington, who is one of my principal uh, consultants, to ask him about a skin. I was firmly convinced that marriage was forever. No matter how rotten it was, you stayed with the guy and you mm -hmm. gusted out because you had made a commitment. But I've changed my mind. 
Also, I think, as I recall, you were fearful of the, of the damage to the children, if there were. Yes, children. I always felt that, you know, that a divorce was very bad for mm -hmm. uh, the children and that the, the anxieties and the separation. But I've, I have really changed my mind what, about that. What this. changed your mind? Well, I began to see too many situations where people were miserable together and their children reflected their hostility and their anger. Mm -hmm. And that such a marriage was not good for either a man or wife or the children. And then I began to see some very good second marriages. I began to see people who were very happy in a second marriage and their mm -hmm. whole lives had changed. And their children seemed to be a great deal more content and less nervous. So I got to think. Well, the children's attitude must change as well. That is, the, the younger generation probably feels somewhat differently about the individual happiness of their parents than our generation, if you don't mind my saying our generation. Yes, yeah, we're in the same generation. Yes, but, but don't, there, don't, don't go be shy. <laughs> but, there, but there was a time, I think, when there was a rigidity about our own view of that. That is, that our parents must yes. stay together. Oh, now, in my grandmother's day, I mean, no matter what happened, you just, you just put up with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is the way it was. But I think, too, the fact that women have become more independent economically mm -hmm. has enabled them to get out of a bad marriage in a way that there was no way out say 35 years ago. Mm -hmm. What about getting into marriage? Many young people don't get married, they live together. Oh, you mean just living together? Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting uh, change in our society. Mm -hmm. I spoke at Yale uh, several months ago, and uh, one very bright-eyed uh, Yale, I love that audience, by the way, those kids are tremendous. Television, confessional, and therapy has been deeply embedded into our cult cultural backdrop. Therapy culture, included with psychoanalytical discourse, has informed the popular imagination by way of the mass media since the turn of the century. Psychoanalysis provides a shared discourse with which to economically transmit ideas about emotional conflict and desire. The common tropes include primal desires, taboos, anxieties about death, loss, survival, beauty, repression, and so forth, have filtered into a simplified form by way of mainstream film, television shows, radio dramas, and magazine advice columns. Talk shows, some documentaries, as well as confessional light programming, draw upon psychoanalysis. In some cases, it could be argued that television confessionals are a secularized service that supplements religion by tapping into current desires to unburden the self of its anguish. In the United States in the mid-1990s, a popular phone line aptly named the Apology Line underlined a cultural need for an outlet for personal guilt and anxiety. If we think about our digital age, mass culture's internet literacy is at an all-time high. Mass audiences are well-trained in the processes of crowdsourcing problems among strangers striving to be performed or their best self in the world, simply based off of the relationship and advice 
they collect from those around them. Writing an email to an advice columnist is now as easy as tweeting or updating a Facebook status. And this is a cathartic way that we can relate to our fellow woman. A guy has ever gotten me that wet. That's salt. Milk? Ladies, let me tell you about his cock. Will be quiet? People at the next table have a child. Well, that's their choice. You know, little Miss Hangover's right. Can we uh, lighten up on the cock talk till cocktail time? Fine. I just wanted to let you know that my fireman was every bit the fantasy I had in mind. New York's finest. That's cops. Whatever. I think it's wrong to sleep with a man just to fulfill a certain fantasy. Please, all the men we sleep with fulfill a certain fantasy. Or a nightmare. You fantasize a man with a Park Avenue apartment and a nice big stock portfolio. For me, it's a fireman with a nice big hose. And why are firemen always so fucking cute? Mm. Even when they're not that cute, they're still cute. What's up with that? Well, first, there's a weight limit. And second, it's the hero thing. You know, you see him up on that truck. Uh, that truck is hot. Hurrying off to save someone trapped on a burning ledge or something. Plus, they've got that I'm a good guy look in their eyes. It's that look. It's because women really just want to be rescued. There it was. The sentence, independent single women in their 30s are never supposed to think, let alone say out loud. I'm sorry, but it's true. I've been dating since I was 15. I'm exhausted. Where is he? Who, the white knight? That only happens in fairy tales. My hair hurts. Charlotte, honey, did you ever think that maybe we're the white knights and we're the ones that have to save ourselves? That is so depressing. Is it? Later that day, I got to thinking about fairy tales. What if Prince Charming had never showed up? Would Snow White have slept in that glass coffin forever? Or would she have eventually woken up, spit out the apple, gotten a job, a health care package, and a baby from her local neighborhood sperm bank? I couldn't help but wonder. Inside, every confident, driven, single woman, is there a delicate fragile princess just waiting to be saved? Was Charlotte right? Do women just want to be rescued? The relationship between columnist and reader is strange. This generally long-form medium centers around reader engagement or listenership in a way that differs from all other mediums. It does not seek to break the reader-writer barrier. These intimate, personal conversations evoke a large, loyal, yet still invisible audience, which acts as participant, moderator, expert, and consultant. There is a strange authority offered to the columnist. Also worth noting is that in most cases, the columnist has claimed this authority for themselves and readers or listeners simply accept it. There is no advice columnist certification. It 
If you have a problem relating to feminism, technology, space, or time, and everything in between, email us at xxfilesradio at gmail.com or simply slide into our social media DMs and we'll cover a few topics each show, but again, still focusing on the themes included in our core mandate. This has been Emotional Labors, IRL Advice with IRL Human. I'm IRL Human. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.